Welcome to the Breathe 911 channel where we talk about all things health, fitness, uh, for first responders. The biggest thing that we try and impact is the mind and the thought and the inner dialogue that we have going on and how that relates to how we respond to our external world. Um, if you're new here, I want to encourage you to go check out breathe-911.com, our website. I would love to give you a free gift. If you head on over to breathe-911.com slash free, I have a gift there for you to help you identify some of the thought patterns that I was stuck in, uh, some of the emotions that I was experiencing that I didn't enjoy, and where we're trying to get to, where I was trying to get to, where I think you might be trying to get to, and how I can help. So if you head over to breathe-911.com slash free, uh, I have something there for you. Would love to connect with you. And with that, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Uh, we have Michael Coomer with us. I found Mike on Instagram. Uh, Mike, is it, a, is it Mike or Michael? Sorry, I'll get that right first. Either way, really. I mean, All right. Call me Michael. So All right, Michael. Is, he's a husband. He's a father. He's a biohacker and a blogger. He reviews products. Uh, got an awesome YouTube channel. He... Uh, Born in Austria, was a 100-meter professional sprinter, two-time national champion, which is incredible. Loves technology, all things Apple. He has been blogging for over a decade and has uh, over 2 million page views per year on his site as the owner of MK Supplements. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Darren. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, I wanted to start off just, I'd love to hear a bit about your background and your story. I found it super interesting, your, your sprinty background and your... Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of how you came about that and how you came to the states. And I'm not—I'm Canadian. I'm not in the states, so I'm not American. But I'd love to hear kind of a bit of your story. I was about to say when when you said about them, like that sounds Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I I got into into track and field um, in high school. Actually, my my PE teacher encouraged us. A buddy of mine, actually. Uh, and both of us, since you know, ended up being being uh, sprinters. I encouraged us to try a track and field, and and we stuck with it. Um, I didn't have any talent whatsoever, you know. To be quite honest, I'm not the most. I'm physically challenged in many ways, hand-eye coordination way off, and everything. But I kind of figure out how to run straight relatively fast. <laughs> um, fortunately, uh, thanks to my coach, I guess. And um, and the funny thing is, you know, at the time I knew nothing about what it means to fuel my body, what it means to, you know, or the importance of sleep, none of that. So I was just, you know, doing whatever. I mean, I was taking my workout seriously, obviously. But beyond that, I remember times we went to the movie theaters, you know, we went we went to McDonald's before, you know, loaded up on 10 cheeseburgers, you know, and a gallon of, of iced tea, you know, not the, the diet one, the, you know, regular one with probably 150 grams of sugar or so. And, you know, we would have that, you know, all the time. And it, it's somehow, it kind of seemed to work to a degree. But then, you know, now thinking back like 20 something years later, you know, now that I'm stronger um, than I used to be in my early 20s, I'm, you know, fitter and obviously healthy. I'm like, man, you know, I wish I would have known what I know now. Maybe I could have, you know, gotten even better at the time. But what do you got to do? But the bottom line is, you know, I guess when you're young, you can compensate uh, for many things. But as you grow older, you realize that, or I realize that, you know, that lifestyle that I that I had was, was unsustainable. 
had you know a irritable bowel syndrome for for decades um got issues all the time was sick all the time you know and once i stopped working out i my body composition changed and i didn't really like that and at some point i figured out well you know it's not about exercising you know you can't out exercise you know a bad diet or a bad lifestyle and poor sleep you know there is more to it than just moving and burning calories and that's when i actually thanks to a buddy of mine who introduced me to the paleo diet many many years ago and that, that was for me like a like a touch of shock. i'm like what do you mean you know that's what you eat you know that's that doesn't sound like what everyone else is eating and from that point i got really intrigued with how our modern lifestyle influences our health and well-being mostly in a negative way and we started paying doing you know when i met my wife then we started doing everything differently everything almost exactly opposite of what everyone else is doing and it turned out well this is really good for us you know we are happier we sleep better you know we are healthier we are fitter and all of those things and i'm like that should not be possible you know the older you get you know the sicker the the more fragile the weaker you're supposed to get but in our case it's the exact opposite i'm like well you know maybe you know our modern life isn't so great after all you know we have to to a degree or in some areas go back to the basics and maybe, and it's funny you mentioned, you know, I, I am a technologist, I love Apple and, and, and all things Apple. Um, I actually, every year I love technology a little bit less um, because, you know, I figured out that, well, technology can be great, but it is, what about, you know, the downs? What about, you know, all the EMF exposure? What about, you know, yes, it's convenient to have a house equipped, you know, a smart house that where that you can control, control by your voice. But what about all the radiation, you know, especially when you sleep? And so we've actually been, you know, going back on our technology endeavor and have started removing light switches and going back to, you know, using candles instead of, you know, regular light at night or electricity um, just because it's better for our health, you know. That's amazing. Well, I mean, it's, it's better for your your sleep cycle and your circadian rhythm and all and those things as well. Not just your the yeah. EMF exposure, but that's yeah. interesting because I wanted to talk to you about the Apple and the EMF. It's on my list here of things. Because uh, mm -hmm. I saw on your site, you have like stickers that you put on your AirPods. Do you use little uh -huh. like EMF? So I used to think the EMF thing was, uh, my wife was all about, it. I'm like, there's, well, like it's everywhere. It's, it's gotta be fine. Right. Like they, they wouldn't right. let us, yeah. they wouldn't let us use this stuff yeah. in our pockets if it was going to harm uh -huh. us. They've done research. And the more right. I dig into it, I'm like, oh yeah, there's, there's something to be said about when my kids are on screens like late at night or the, or uh -huh. it's if something's been in their room so you i can notice a difference in my kids i don't see it in myself all the time but yeah that's really interesting so what are some of the, right. the things that yeah. you do i mean you mentioned it what are some of the things that you do to mitigate emf exposure um we've basically removed most or at least in our bedrooms all of the smart devices um so no more light switches that we can control with siri um you know phones my phone is in the office at night uh, and in airplane mode, um, everything that, that you know, if, if I wear something that I think is useful or outweighs the cons, then, you know, I switch it to airplane mode as well. Um, and, you know, I have an EMF blocking blanket, so at least you know, up until here, you know, I'm covered. And, you know, no lights, you know, tape everything off or turn it off, uh, whatever is, is, is convenient and, and feasible. But just trying to get back to a, you know, uh, especially at night to a dark and technology-free, you know, environment. 
you know, turn off the lights at night, um, even if it's not in the bedroom, you know, wear, you know, EMF blocking glasses if need be. I mean, you know, you cannot, I guess, based on our modern lifestyle, we cannot just live, you know, without light, only with candlelight. Real beeswax candles are super expensive. And I don't want to burn the stuff that, you know, puts endocrine disrupting chemicals into the air. So you kind of, you know, have to balance it out. You know, what's the lesser evil? So, you know, EMF blocking glasses, you know, can come in handy. I have actually here, um, you know, something like this EMF blocking hat, you know, if need be, or even t-shirts, you know, that I, that I have, that I use not every day, but, you know, when I know that I'm exposed, you know, to more EMFs, maybe when I know that I'm all day in the office, Whereas in most days I spent, you know, outside working on the homestead, you know, building stuff. And so I'm not all the time in front of electronics, but just, you know, trying to go back to an environment that, you know, humans have evolved in over millions of years and get a little bit away from all the modern stuff that's convenient for sure. But all of that has a downside, all of that has a dark side and you just have to know what the dark side is and what do you what do you think your body can handle i mean humans are robust you know otherwise we wouldn't be here anymore so it's not that everything is evil and you can't have nothing but you have to understand you know how your body is reacting and you have to be in tune enough to figure out okay when it's you know enough when you have to take a step back or maybe remove some things from your environment right no totally that's great advice um i'd love to I, at the end, I want to ask uh, some of the products that you use because I'll, I'll save that yeah. to, to the very end because I'd love to mm -hmm. know where, where people can find the products that you use because you obviously do the research and I always like, to, I I don't research as much. I rely on people that I trust. And it's like, there's a guy who's done his research. I don't need to research which t-shirts are the best, glasses are the best, hats are the best. It's like someone's done it and that's the whole reason why that's what you do. A lot of what you do, you review products for people so that it, it gives them the information, right? So yeah, I, I still encourage everyone, you know, to do their own research because A, I can be wrong about something and, you know, and I know I'm doing it at least, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm always trying to do it to the best of my abilities. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we all have certain agendas, you know, we all have, you know, conflicts of interest, but, you know, I, I try to do it in the most transparent you know, way possible. If I have an, an affiliate relationship, I, you know, I tell people about it. Right. Um, but there are many cases we have seen in the, you know, especially the recent um, past that, you know, you trust someone and it turns out that that person has been not telling the entire truth or has <laughs> omitted certain things that, you know, maybe you should have known, you know. <laughs> So I still encourage everyone to do their own research, you know, and to, uh, to the extent possible, obviously, you know, I need to trust people, you know, you need to trust people. We all have to trust people. Um, and as long as they don't abuse our trust, that's fine. But, you know, don't blindly follow whatever anyone is saying, you know, including me. For sure. For sure. Um, you mentioned the paleo and into the carnivore diet. I've watched some of the stuff that you do with, uh, with, uh, organs and, and meat and, uh, I just love to hear a bit about the the carnivore journey. I'm on a bit of that journey myself, and uh, I'm for a season. I was a vegetarian, even vegan for a little bit, and mm -hmm. uh, and I and then what's really actually changed my mind is as soon as the mainstream media was like, we need to eat fake meat all the time. I'm like, oh no, there's if some if that's what's being promoted, I'm like, that's wrong. Yeah. That can't that can't be yeah. right. So so about a year ago, I was like, okay, let's start, and then it's like, oh maybe. Maybe this is the way. And I feel, I feel way better, way more energy, mm -hmm. way less bloating, yeah. way less irritable bowels. Yeah. So it's, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, for me, the proof is experimenting on myself and I think yeah. everyone's, everyone's different. I'm never going to say one size fits all do this. This is for you. But from my experience and from what I've seen from you, I'd just love to hear your kind of your, maybe your, your journey and your thoughts on the carnivore 
more mm-hmm. the carnivore diet and uh and eating organs because i haven't got yeah. i haven't got to the i haven't got to the organs yet i want to try it i, I mm. eat the i do the desiccated uh the uh-huh. liver right now but i haven't done the yeah. raw so. <laughs> yeah yeah i think nutrition is very very nuanced and there is a lot of you know black or white thinking you know out there i used to be convinced that at some point that you know paleo is the ultimate diet then it was keto then it was carnivore then it was you know animal based and and now i realize you know a it you know everyone is a little bit different of course but i think there are like broad strokes of or a framework of what you should follow uh, to have optimal or to maintain optimal health and i think that you know generally speaking the experiment whether or not humans are vegetarians or plant-based or meat-based you know evolution has made the decision for us you know the plant eaters you know are dead now um and the meat eaters you know survived and you know making the switch from from first you know uh, hunters and gatherers to scavengers to well to, to to from gatherers and plant eaters predominantly to scavengers where we got some of the meat you know that other predators left behind to the switch then to becoming hunters and predators and having first access to the fat and the organs of the animal that has had a huge impact on on human evolution in terms of brain size in terms of you know statue and everything so I think it's pretty clear that we are maybe not well probably not 100% carnivores but very much meat leaning omnivores you know and so based on 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 the nutritional profile there is no doubt that you can get everything that you need to thrive by eating only animals you don't need anything else now does it mean you cannot have anything else no of course not um i, I had a, a, a talk with uh dr bill schindler not too long ago and 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 he um very much explained that you know humans have invented technology to mitigate some of the issues in plant foods so it's not only about what we eat but how we eat it so that means you know depending on your on your genetic makeup on your metabolic health and a ton of other factors for sure you can get away with eating certain plants so there are some that are just not advisable to eat, period. You know, leafy greens like oxalates, there is no way to mitigate oxalates. That doesn't mean that any leaf of spinach is going to kill you, but it has a negative impact. To what degree de- depends on, you know, how your body is, is working and how much, how far at the limit you already are in terms of trying to get rid of toxins. You know, if you already do a lot of things wrong and then you add in your, your green juice, it's probably going to not kill you, but make you very, very uh, unhealthy or, or uncomfortable. Um, but the point really is, I think you need to figure out, okay, how metabolically healthy are you and what is it that you can get away with by applying the proper techniques to mitigate many of the toxins that are found in all plants to varying degrees. So, you know, I'm not saying you, you cannot have any plants whatsoever. You have to be a strict carnivore and eat nothing but meat. I don't think that's the case. And I don't think most people would thrive on that because certainly we have involved to a degree. I know that I thrive if I include some carbs, be it from raw honey that we get from our backyard um, or whatever, you know, fruits, sweet fruits, whatever. But I, I do better, especially based on the type of, you know, physical activity that I do, you know, CrossFit, kickboxing and stuff. I deplete my glycogen stores every day. Just relying on gluconeogenesis, you know, to replenish those glycogen stores is not super effective and efficient, you know. And I don't feel great while I'm low on, on glucose, while my body is trying to make it you know, from protein, right. you know, so by adding the carbs into my diet, I feel better and I don't see the downside of it. 
But, you know, again, with most plants, you have to know how toxic they are generally and as far as your physiology is concerned and then find ways to maybe mitigate some of that and see if you can get away with it. Um, again, you don't have to eat plants to thrive. You don't need anything that's in plants as far as I'm concerned, but you can eat certain plants, you know, based on their toxicity and based on your individual makeup. And you have to figure out what those plants are. I, I have a guide, you know, that kind of talks about the ones that are probably better for you and probably not so good for you. Um, but even within those, you know, there are some that are sensitive to strawberries, even though they are generally fine to eat. So, you know, if you're sensitive, don't eat them, you know. And that's something you have to, I guess, figure out instead of just following some dogma that says, oh, you have to eat only this or only that. There is certainly a middle ground, but there is a clear framework, you know, towards, you know, what direction you should be heading. And it's not the plant direction, I think. And for someone who's looking to do, I think this is a, a societal issue, but for someone who's looking to maybe transition into maybe just healthier eating in general, eating less processed foods, all those things. I, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people, they don't give it the runway that it needs to see if they, if it works for them. Right. Meaning they give it two weeks and they're like, I don't know. I didn't see much of a difference from your, I mean, you're well-versed in, in the diet and in this industry. How long would you say if someone's looking to make a switch into more of a carnivore diet or eat less processed foods, what would you say that person, how much time they need to give that? Is it, is it a month? Is it six weeks from your perspective? Is it four months? Yeah, I would definitely give it a couple of weeks, even a couple of months, because if you've, if you've been following a bad diet for decades, I mean, some of the damage you cannot undo in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, you know, there are also some, um, some issues in as far as, you know, stored toxins are concerned that are stored in fat, you know, tissue that might take months to, you know, for you to get rid of, you know, and um, and the, the funny thing also is, you know, there are a lot of plant-based eaters that say, oh, they started plant-based and, and they feel great, you know, because whatever you wanted something to feel, you know, you, you probably feel it. You know, if mm -hmm. you if you believe something is good for you, then it probably feels good for you for a while until you realize that it's actually not good for you and that you're not feeling that great. So you have to kind of overcome, you have to give your body enough time to really adjust you know, with any dietary change, you might feel GI upset or get diarrhea or constipation or whatever the case might be. So you definitely have to get over that initial hump to allow your body to adjust. And that might take a few weeks. Um, maybe for a few, it's only, a, you know, for a couple of people, it's only a few days, but I would give it a few weeks and then also give it enough time to get over the initial excitement of believing that what you're doing is good. You know, get to a point where like, okay, now I can, without emotion, judge, am I feeling good? Or am I not feeling good? And maybe for some people, it helps to, you know, track certain biomarkers, you know, get your blood work done every, you know, three months or so and see how that changes. You know, I'm not necessarily, you know, proposing to, you know, step on a scale every day or track your calories or, you know, any of that crazy stuff that's unsustainable in the long run. But, you know, for a while, maybe, you know, wear a sleep tracker and see, you know, how your sleep changes, you know, pay attention to how quickly you fall asleep, how you feel when you wake up, how you feel after a workout how you feel, you know, in the middle of the afternoon and those kind of things, you know, write that down, keep a journal and really try to objectively measure how what you do impacts how you feel. And, um, you know, usually at some point you'll figure out, okay, this is much better than I, than I used to, than what I had before. And the other, you know, nuance to that is, I think, if you tell someone, hey, you know, if you, if you make those changes, you're going to feel better, you know, that person would say, well, but I feel good, you know. I thought I felt good for most of my life until I realized that how I felt was feeling, I felt like shit. 
I just, you know, it wasn't my normal. And so I thought that's how you mean what it means to feel good, you know. So give it some time and reflect, write down, journal, uh, and you'll figure out that cutting out, you know, processed foods, seed oils, most plants, you know, is probably going to make you feel better, especially your GI. I think you can very easily tell, do you feel bloated? Do you have a lot of gas? Do you feel, you know, whatever? And if you don't feel it anymore, I mean, you know, there is the, the proof, you know. Yeah. Two things that you said there. I mean, keeping a journal and keeping track. I mean, how else can you objectively? I mean, you look back three months and you're like, I don't know, do I feel better? Like, that's very tough. But if you're if you can look back uh, and see like on the days how you felt. And then I think I've been telling I've been pounding this drum for years as far as getting blood work done. I th- I find it because a lot of places you have to pay for it or you have to pay yeah. to get appropriate blood work done. And I say like, you'll go and spend $80 on an oil change for your car. If it needs brakes or get brake. Like people will spend this money on a vehicle that's going to last them 10 or 15 years, if that. And that the body, their bodies that they have their whole life, they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to get blood work. Like I got to right. pay for that. And I just, it's one of those things where it's like, if you can, that's where you're going to catch things and see if you get blood work done every three, like I try and do it every, every six to eight months, I try and get my blood work done uh, just so that I have a record so that you know, you don't know where your baseline is if you don't like, you don't know what you don't know. So I yeah. love that. I love that yeah. you said that to, to bring, to get your blood work done. Cause I don't think enough people are, and it's so easy now because you have your own portal. Like I can just look go pull it up on the computer and I can look at each one. I can, yeah. I can compare them myself. I can do whatever I want with them. Right. So it's not like, yeah, yeah I love that. Awesome. I want to switch gears real quick. And uh, I yeah. want to try and get, we're, I mean, this, I love this We're I can't <laughs> believe how much time's passed. So uh, two things, two more things I want to cover with you if we got time. And one is yeah. sauna. So I love saunas. Um, I know you do too. I've been getting a bunch of questions recently about, uh, people looking to get saunas in infrared versus traditional. I think you have both. Yeah. Uh, what would your take? I know there's benefits to both as far as someone who's only going to get one sauna. I'd be interested in your opinion on, uh, infrared versus, uh, traditional. Yeah, I think one of the major decision points is, you know, where are you going to put the sauna? Is it going to be on the inside or on the outside? If it's on the outside, you know, the moisture produced by a traditional steam sauna is much less of an issue because you just open the door and let it vent out and you're good to go, right? With the infrared, you have much less moisture. So if you have it on the inside and if ventilation is a potential issue, then, you know, that probably makes the case for an infrared sauna. Um then, you know, what benefits do you want to get out of it? If it's just, you know, the heat stress, you know, you can get that from, from either one. Um, if it's, you know, if, if you have like cosmetic aspirations, like collagen production in your skin, you know, wrinkles, what have you, then a full spectrum infrared might be the way to go because you get those benefits and you won't get them from, from the infrared, from the steam sauna. Also how, um, you know, that with a steam sauna, you know, you have a lot of, you have higher heat. And sometimes that burns on your ears, in your lungs, in your nose, etc. Not everyone appreciates that. Um, with the infrared sauna, you don't get that high heat on your skin, but you get more heat inside of your body. So it sucks in a different, in a different way, which for many people you could argue is more bearable than having you know two hundred degrees on on your skin, burn your skin, you know. So. From an electricity perspective, infrared takes less because it uses, you know, LEDs that require less energy. And I know that. And I wouldn't usually even think about that because neither one is going to break the bank. If you can afford a five, six, seven thousand dollar, you know, sauna cabin, you probably can afford, you know, the difference between 30 and 50 bucks a month in electricity is probably going to be negligible. 
But since we have solar panels on our roof and I monitor, you know, how much power we draw versus, you know, how much goes into our batteries, I've noticed that our steam sauna, which uses electricity and electric oven, draws about nine kilowatt hours, versus our steam, uh, infrared only draws two. Okay. So, so if our panels only make or produce 11 kilowatt hours, you know, so if I'm in the, in the steam sauna, almost all of the energy goes into the sauna, you know, so, you know, not a big deal, but, you know, something maybe, you know, to consider if you use solar and if you rely on, you know, if you don't want to use the grid at all. Right. Um, unless you go with a, you know, wood oven, but then you have the hassle of, you know, firing it up, waiting until it's hot, you know, there are other disadvantages. So it, it really depends. I think the easier, it's it's a little bit easier and less maintenance intense is the infrared because you go in, you turn it on, you don't have to pour water over, you know, hot stones or whatever, you just sit there and you know and then you get out and nothing is terribly wet and, and moist um with the steam it's of course the classic experience you know some people love it you know that you have you know you're soaking sweat not only from the sweat but from the moisture in the air and you know you pour you know and you do all of those things you know that's like a ritual you know many people appreciate it and the only reason why they get it on is for that you know right so for those i wouldn't recommend an infrared because it's not the same experience but um, at the end of the day, I think as long as you get get a sauna, you know, expose yourself to heat stress, um, whatever is makes mo more sense for your environment and for your budget, um, you get the you get benefits, you know, from either one. I'd say. I, I went down the rabbit hole of that, and we had an infrared. We've we're in a in a stage of life where we actually don't have a sauna right now, but we had an infrared sauna uh, previous to this. And what's your take? I know you probably have recommendations as far as which saunas because i went down the like costco brand it's like the vocs are through the roof on those what's your recommendation as far as either either a brand or what to look for so that you minimize because i think the costco one's literally like chipboard and glue and like you're you're breathing you're basically huffing, yeah. huffing glue while you're sitting in a sauna no no, no yeah. knock no knock on costco as a whole but I think for health wise, yeah. VOCs is I love Costco, but not for saunas. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are, I think there are three downsides of going with an inexpensive one, regardless of if you buy that Costco or somewhere else. One is the, you know, the VOCs obviously from the glues and the, the stain or, you know, the wood, et cetera. The other one is the um, emissivity of the panels. Like right. a friend of mine actually just reached out to me not too, too long ago and said, Hey, I want to buy this sauna, this infrared sauna from Costco. You know, what do you think? And <laughs> the emissivity of their panels was like 86%. That's akin to an infrared sauna blanket, you know, whereas the, I mean, not to drop any names, but we have, you know, we use Sunlighten, but there are other brands, you know, that are good as well. But the Sunlighten one has emissivity uh, of uh, 95 to 99%. So almost all of the energy, you know, you actually get into your tissue, all of the infrared uh, radiation. Um, and then the third one is, um, the EMFs, you know, um, obviously, right. you know, it's an electronic device, it produces EMFs, um, and you want to get a model that has low EMFs, you know. Uh, and so those are the three, I think, main main factors beyond, you know, any warranty issues or, you know, build quality or whatever the case might be. But from a health perspective, those are the three that I look out for. And, and you know, the, the usually the cheap ones that are like a third of the price are not good enough as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. Agreed. So oh, that's great. I mean, those three tips that's for people looking to buy a sauna. I think that's, that's super helpful. You, you do in a sauna, no matter what type you get, what you pay for generally, like most things in life. Right. So you, if you, 
If yeah. you want a cheap one, you're going to, you're, it's not going to give you the same benefits and it might actually hurt you a little bit. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, you can probably, you know, build your own, you know, Great. steam sauna, but just buy the oven. Usually most sauna brands, the oven is a third party anyway, like in ours, you know, we have, we have a steam sauna from Redwood Outdoors, but the oven is from Scandinavian brand. Don't yeah. remember the name, but you can get the oven separately and build it your own if you're, you know, handy. Yeah, totally. Save some yeah, money there. Yeah, for sure. And there's lots of videos on, I've, I've kind of gone down that road. There's lots of videos online to, to help you out with that. So, um, yeah. and then the last thing I want to talk to you about is, uh, the cold exposure and what you do for cold exposure and, uh, and just your take on, on getting cold. Yeah. I think, you know, just generally speaking, you know, you have to be uncomfortable, you know, comfort, being comfortable all the time is making you weak. Um, is making us weak. And so be it cold exposure, heat exposure, you know, exercise, all of those hormetic stressors, I think are good for you. Cold in particular, I like because I never liked being cold. You know, I was, you know, cold feet and all, all my life. And, and then I'm like, you know, the thought of intentionally submerging yourself in really, really cold water and staying there for two to 15 minutes um, just didn't make, seem to make any sense. But since I started doing this, it's been a an absolute game changer in terms of my resilience, my how I perceive cold, and and just the ability to better manage stress or to better manage my fight or flight response. You know, because that's the first thing that kicks in when you get into a cold tub. You want to get out because your brain tells you you're gonna die. You know, and so by being able to controlling that with breathing or you know whatever methods. You know, for me it's typically breathing exercises has been an absolute game changer. I don't feel as cold anymore. I feel I'm perfectly comfortable being out in the cold without a shirt or whatever and, you know, without feeling like I'm falling apart. Um, obviously, from an immune you know, system perspective, you know, when you get into the cold, when you stay there for a while, body releases cold shock proteins, much like, you know, it releases heat shock proteins mm -hmm. when you're, you know, under heat stress um, that boosts your immune system. And just makes you overall significantly more resilient. And that's going to help you, I think, in, in, in every aspect of your life, be it with stress management, be it, you know, when, when you're getting sick or about to get sick. I think it's just a, you know, get cold, start with a cold shower. If you have nothing else, you know, shower cold and, and not necessarily, you know, go in, shower hot and then, you know, slowly turn it, you know, to cold. I mean, that's maybe in the beginning, but then turn it cold and get right in. You know, that initial shock, it only takes like maybe a tenth of a second. But being able to stay cool and keep breathing while you experience that is going to help you, um, you know, everywhere. It's as much for the, I mean, I find it's as much for the mental game as it is for the physical. Like there are lots yes. of physical dopamine release, brown fat activation. Yeah. Uh, like all, there's all these things that, you know, Huberman and Soberg and all these things are going to tell you. And, and they are all true. And the fact that you yeah. do something every day or whatever you, however often you, but the fact that you do something that you definitely no, you don't want to do. Uh, it yeah. I think it just helps build build these uh, neuro pathways that say like, yeah, when I when my when my mind tells my body to do something, then I do it. Right? It's probably yeah. translates into getting your workouts in and doing the workouts that you should do, yeah. eating, the, eating the right things. It's like I know I don't want to, but I do do the things that are healthy for me because I've I've shown it. Yeah. Right? I think I think that's healthy. It, oh. it builds discipline for sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your breathing in the cold. What what do you do? Do you do box breathing or do you do some form of um, like retention or? I usually do some sort of retention breathing. So I, I try to exhale or inhale first, you know, as slowly as I can, typically on a count of eight or so. 
then hold it for the same. So it's a retention and box breathing kind of combination. Then exhale, same count, and hold you know, on an empty lung, same count. And I've noticed that has two things that, uh, that, that this type of breathing for me at least triggers. One is um, I calm down because I focus only on my breathing and not none of the noise that tells me to get out, you know? And B, I notice that, you know, within a few breaths, you know, my three minutes or whatever it is are over, you know? Because, you know, if, if you breathe yeah. so slowly, you know, eight, 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 I mean, it's 32 seconds, you know, that's like half yeah. a minute with one breath, you know? Yeah. And then you do this six times and you're done, you know? <laughs> so I kind of count to six in my head, you know? And, and I know that at six, I'm done. And six is nothing. Everyone can count to six, you know? Right. Yeah. Is, uh, that's interesting. Right. And and with breath work, it's like, so you're accomplishing some great breath work. You're doing something that's mentally challenging that you're overcoming. You're doing something that's physically beneficial and, and beneficial for all the, all the neurochemicals mm -hmm. that are going on and you're doing a meditation and it's done in three minutes, right? Like, yeah. like the, your return on investment yeah. is absolutely massive for getting in the cold. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Oh, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Lastly, I'd like to just give you a chance to, I know you have MK supplements. I know I didn't bring it on you because to, to sell your stuff, but I know you have things that are for sale and I know you have things that are valuable and where people can find you and, uh, and yeah, all the things that you have going on. I'd love to hear, uh, what's, what you're doing these days and, and what, uh, where people can find you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, physically they can find me usually in my backyard <laughs> uh, building, you know, we just finished a rabbit housing. We are having meat rabbits now, you know, so we can make some of our own meat. I'm building right now a second hen house. We'll be getting 20 more chickens soon. Um, but digitally, um, michaelkummer.com, my blog is where I, you know, publish most of my stuff. I have a YouTube channel as well under my name. Um, MK Supplements is my, well, supplements brand, as the name already implies. And uh, there we do organ, freeze-dried organ uh, meat supplements of the highest quality. Uh, nothing better than the highest quality products already out there, but in, with a little bit of a different spin, like only glass bottles and metal lids, no plastic, um, and 45 days supply instead of 30. Um, the reason why I can do this is because, you know, obviously my, my profit margin is, is smaller than that of someone else, but because it's a side business for me, I can afford doing that and provide a little bit more value, you know, in combination with my, my written content and all the digital stuff that I publish. And so, you know, that's what we do. If, if you don't much like you not into eating fresh, doesn't have to be raw necessarily, but fresh organ meat, uh, then, you know, the capsules are an easy way to, you know, I, I'm not discouraging anyone from trying fresh organs, you know, doesn't have to be every day, but at least you know, maybe once a week or so. But if that doesn't, you know, work or you don't have it as much as you as you want to freeze dry desiccated, you know, is the best way to go. The kids, you know, do it. They don't taste anything. And it's just an easy way to, you know, bridge any gaps that you might have from a micronutrients perspective. You know, don't don't expect like wonders that you're turning into Superman or whatever. At the end of the day, organs are nothing more than a multivitamin. You know, it, they're rich in, in bioavailable and readily absorbable nutrients, be it peptides, vitamins, minerals, etc. That's all it is. If you're deficient, like in iron or B12, you might feel a boost in energy. If you're already well topped off like I am, I don't feel a huge difference. I'm going to take them anyway because I don't know what I might be missing, you know, considering that our modern foods might not be as nutritious anymore as they, you know, used to be. And so that's really all it is. It's, um, you know, multivitamin and um, very good quality. I think it's, you know, family owned business. You know, we, we take care of our customers and, and our product. And thank you. I really, I really appreciate that caveat 
because I think everyone, I mean, everyone's not a snake oil salesman, but everyone's, you know, promoting that. And I, I, I really, really appreciate that. It's like, this is not, there's no magic pill that's going to make you healthy. It's just, it's a combination of it's sunlight, it's water, it's get your vitamins, it's eat your, eat your meat, you know, high protein, do, do those things. And a combination of all those things is going to make you feel better. But if you just do like, if all you do is drink water and like enough water that you should and mineralize it and still eat processed food, like you're not going to feel any better. So you, it's the totality of all of it. And I love, right. I love right. that message of, I love your message. I think that's, I think that's super helpful for people to understand that it's, it's going to take yeah. the continuation of doing all the right things. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think I'm going to get a t-shirt that, you know, liver is going to not turn it. It's not going to turn you into a king. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't wondering who Not you were talking about. <laughs> I wasn't wondering who you were talking about earlier. I was quite aware. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's no, but you're uh, Michael, you're for like, thank you very much. You're your breath of fresh air when it comes to that, that industry and, uh, and promoting a uh, healthy living. I, Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, all the best in the future. I hope we uh, can do this again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Taylor.